Hey guys, welcome to Virtual Millennial Money. As you can see, the studio is very different and that's because we're practicing social distancing. You know, as you know, times have changed. Life is pretty crazy and we can barely get a hold on what's going on, right? We don't know what's, what tomorrow has for us. And so we've decided that this series is very important and crucial for times like this. And 17 million people have filed for unemployment. If you're one of those people who have lost your job, don't feel discouraged. Right now, it's the perfect time to start training your brain to think like an entrepreneur. And if you haven't lost your job, you know, work from nine to five, but use that extra time that you have here at your house quarantined to actually study and study the influencers, change your mindset to become an entrepreneur. Now more than ever is when, when people flourish from this crisis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Virtual Millennial Money. I am very excited to be here with you guys today. And as you can see, we're not in our typical studio, but we do believe that the information we're going to give you is very valuable and timely. So we've made things um, work out and actually got together and decided to push this content out to you. And so I'm here with Robert Kiyosaki. And thank you so much, Robert, because I think now more than ever, it's very important for these viewers to choose their real teachers. And so thank you for being here with us, Robert. And he's also the author of his latest book, Who Stole My Pension? And, um, and I'm just really excited because I think you have um, very important information to give us today, Robert. Well, thank you. It's always, um, you know, I love this segment. I met yesterday, I met with uh, Kenny McElroy, my advisor on real estate's two sons, you know, and man, they've got such a bright future ahead of them. I mean, you know, but their future starts with their attitude. And uh, I asked them about what's going on. Uh, you know, they're both students at uh, University of Arizona in Tucson, Arizona. And there's, there's a lot of the hocus-pocus BS that the students go through. They just stay away from it. You know, That's I mean, awesome. They just don't get involved in the stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. so their and attitude is really good. Yeah, and I, when you're when you're talking about attitude, um, I think right now attitude is more important than ever because of the unemployment crisis we've been seeing. And really, right now, um, would you say it's the perfect time to move um, to the other side of the quadrant? Well, I think you'd better. There's a difference between is a good time, but I think it's essential time because um, this Corona crisis, as I call it, you know. It's a smokescreen for something that's been going on for years, you know, and, you know, when I was your age, I was in Vietnam and I was flying for the Marine Corps. When my rich dad sent me a letter saying, watch out, the world's going to change. And the world changed because President Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard on August 15th, 1971. But back then in the 70s, being on an aircraft carrier, I didn't get that letter for like six months. That's how long it took to get to me. You know, now you guys go ding, ding, and you're there. I mean, the world is really no world at all. But he warned me that the world would change, and I didn't really understand it at the time. And, uh, but that's when my curiosity about gold and money and all this really changed. So today, when I look at the corona crisis, but more the financial crisis, it's really, really horrifying because the financial crisis started back in 1971. And the reason I'm a rich man today is because, you know, I knew something was wrong. I, I didn't know until 72. When I went, I flew behind enemy lines to go buy some gold and I, I didn't know what gold was. <laughs> it was illegal for Americans to own gold 
1972. And I thought that was really strange. So my life brought me up to this moment. So I'm very happy to be talking to you because the corona crisis, while serious, the biggest crisis is the financial crisis. And your generation, the millennials, have been screwed. I mean, big time. Big yeah. time. I mean, if you understand how money is created, money is credit and debt. That's all it is. Money, credit, money. I mean, credit, debt, and taxes. That's what money really is. Mm -hmm. But they don't teach you that in school. So today, the reason the world economy is crashing goes all the way back to 71. But what happened in 71, they could just make fake money and they can keep printing fake money. And this is the US dollar. The US can keep printing fake money for a number of years yet. Mm -hmm. And the only way they could keep the economy expanding, they had to find people stupid enough to get into debt. So as you know, one of the most, uh, uh, I didn't have this as a kid, you know, it's called a credit card. Now everybody has credit cards, but they never teach you how to use it. Yeah. Now, why did they have a credit card? It's because they needed more money. So they keep expanding the economy they keep finding people stupid enough to just get into debt. They give them credit cards and all this and say, well, he gives auto loans. But I think the most dastardly thing for your generation was in 2009 when President Obama uh, went to the banks and said, look, we need to get the students more into debt Be under the guise of you need to get a good education. Mm -hmm. That was and, Robert, something I find really interesting is, like you said, it, moments during the depression and the recession was a time where you grew the most. And you actually predicted in prophecy that this crash was going to hit. It was a couple years off, but it's happening. And so one thing I loved, I was reading an article a couple days ago, and I think entrepreneurs who are ready for this will actually thrive in this um, recession or crisis that we're going to see and that we're already seeing because um, for example, in 2008, um, with the last recession, uh, startups like Uber and Airbnb um, actually flourished and were started during times like this. And so I think, like you were mentioning... Wait, wait, wait. But how about Bitcoin in 2009? I wish one of you had called me and said, and buy it. I didn't know anything <laughs> about it because I'm an old guy. But, yeah. during, but during such trans mm -hmm. horrifying crashes whole new things evolve out. So you're correct there. Mm -hmm. and, and Robert, one thing I love is um, you were talking in one of your um, tweets how the virus is real, but what's more real are the structural flaws we're seeing in our system. And I think um, it, as, an, as having an entrepreneurial mindset and actually studying and evaluating, okay, let's see what companies are actually surviving this and which ones are going down, I think it's really the perfect lesson for us to learn on as opposed to like our textbooks from the university. Yeah, your textbooks are obsolete. Mm -hmm. But the thing I've said before, and I'll say it again, because some people need to hear it, your generation, this thing called, uh, well, my cell phone, didn't come out until 2007. Yeah. The millennial generation was given the most powerful single tool ever given to any generation. And what are you guys using this thing for? To Twitter, to, you know, social. I don't, I don't know what you guys do with this thing. But I love this thing. I mean, I'm, I'm on YouTube constantly. You know, I find the best teachers in the world out there. I mean, 
I don't know why anybody would go to college because the best teachers are on YouTube for free. Mm -hmm. And I learned, and, and it's not that the teacher is the best. The thing I love about YouTube is I can get one person says X and the guy that says no, that's Y. And so I'll listen to both sides. But that's where your intelligence grows because both sides have a point of view. And I listen to both sides. But if you're in college, you got to listen to one idiot who's boring. You know, and I really did not like school, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, is I didn't want to become an employee. You know, every time the teacher says, go to school and get a job. And I said, but I don't want a job. You know, and, and it didn't make sense to me because I had a rich dad. My poor dad was an employee. He was a good one. But personally, I didn't want to become an employee. But your generation now must. That's the difference. Yeah. You must. You don't have that option. Yeah. I think, like you said, we don't have an option. It's right now, it's either sink or swim. And um, I think a lot of people are seeing that because, oh, I mean, in just about four weeks, 17 million people have filed for unemployment. And so, I mean, we could either see this as something negative or see it as an opportunity to really invest in our financial education and what we can do about it. Well, the people that will get hammered, the, I'm, I'm writing this paper right now. It's taking me four months because it's a tough paper. It's called The Brave New World. And what, what this corona crisis represents is we're going into a brave new world. And I don't know if you guys follow this, but we were on the edge of recession prior to January 2020. As I said in prophecy, I, I, I said it would come in 2016, but I didn't foresee. I started prophecy in 1999, but I didn't foresee quantitative easing and zero interest rates. I didn't foresee how desperate our leaders are, the Federal Reserve Bank, the Treasury, Wall Street, and even putting students in debt. I cannot believe how desperate people are. And I was just talking to Mona and she was saying, everybody's raising their prices. They want a higher percentage of my books and everybody's so desperate because this world starting from 1971 is so deeply in debt. Mm -hmm. But they don't teach you that in school. So that's my concern. And so my prophecy, which I started in 1998 came true in 2020. The world's never gonna be the same. And I know there's people sitting at home right now saying, oh, I'll go back to school and get my job. I mean, or, or I'll, I'll go back to work at a job. And many people, you know, in my world, they say, well, it's going to be a V bottom. It means a crash comes and we go straight up. I don't think so. Next one will be, it goes a U shape. So it'll go down. We'll go back to work. It'll come up slowly. I don't think so. And then there's a W. It goes down, up, down, up. I don't think so. I think it's going to come down and go L. So the question I, I say to people is how are, and the people that work at Rich Dad know we've been preparing for this time. So the Rich Dad company is flush, we're making a lot of money, better than ever before, but we were prepared for coronavirus 2020. Yeah, recession proof is what we call it. <laughs> well, I don't know if we're recession proof, but this is the difference is I'm now, I'm now preparing for depression. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we, we made it, you know, Kim and I and the, and the team made it to 2020. Yeah. And we're flush with cash. I have gold and silver and all that. Like I said, you should have told me about Bitcoin, but I didn't get it. Anyway, Sorry about that, Robert. <laughs> but I did get a cell phone. You're <laughs> we prepared in other ways, yeah. But anyway, um, so I would be preparing right now for the L. Mm -hmm. What if we go into a depression? 
-hmm. And that's the thinking I am at right now. So I'm nudging, pushing the company. We cannot rest on our laurels. Do you know what I mean? Hey, we're rich, need to move on. So that's why I'm happy to be talking to the millennials because you guys have been screwed the most with student loan debt, massive. Um, I don't know if you understand money, but there's only 4.5 trillion in base money, M1. There's about 225 trillion in debt. That means it's only 4.5 trillion for 225 trillion in debt. The machine's gonna stop soon. You know, I don't know when, but it's gonna stop. And when it comes to a stop, that's when my gold, silver, and Bitcoin will go through the roof. Yeah. But I am prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so your generation has the most powerful tool ever created. And the best teachers are on YouTube and they're free. And it's important to go to school if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. But to be rich, you don't have to go to school. <laughs> yeah, Robert, and, and thank you for that, too, because I think people don't realize, you know, right now we're stuck at home. And I think right now is when we can find the best teachers. Right. And who, who are the teachers that are giving out the information and the brutal truth about everything that's going on, right? Not the news, not the government. People like you have, who have been spreading, and London Real, Brian Rose, um, who have actually been spreading the message of, of what's going on and how people can help themselves. Yeah, what's frightening, what's frightening is, you know, Brian Rose is a friend of mine in London Real, great educational program. He brings on, you know, controversial people like me who don't sing the company's song. You know, I've, I haven't drank the Kool-Aid of go to school and get my master's degree. I didn't do that one. Drink, I drink beer, but not Kool-Aid. But anyway, so the, uh, Brian Rose just got yanked from the air because he brought somebody who was controversial on. Mm -hmm. That's the freedom of speech. But so is being politically correct. PC is you violate the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. Another thing that's been violated is the right to assembly. Social distancing and shutting down businesses is a violation of the First Amendment. Yeah. So our rights are being ripped out of our hands right now. And that disturbs me. So when Brian Rose, a great guy and a great teacher, he got taken off because he criticized, you know, LinkedIn and Bill Gates and YouTube and all this stuff. So that's what you got to be careful today because freedom of speech is gone. And as we were talking, you know, like I always heard that your generation was nasty. You know, this little thing here, I never knew how nasty you sounded. Like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard some of the comments said to you by people and all this. You know, what, what did you tell me that was called? Oh, um, it's keyboard courage, right? So it's the ability of, for someone to be able to say something to you behind a screen, but they'll never have the courage to say it to you in person. Yeah, all you cowards out there, you know, you got something nasty to say. I mean, it's okay to disagree. There's a difference. Yeah. But to be vile and vitriolic and nasty and vicious, you're a coward. You're an effing coward. And anybody out there ripping somebody apart, you know, I mean, I, I agree with, I support freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, well, why are you criticizing Gates? I said, because I, I know what he's doing. Do you know? And the guy said, well, you shouldn't. I said, yeah, that's right. Maybe I shouldn't, but it's my freedom of speech. You know, so that was good. I don't mind the guy disagrees with me. Yeah. But I, I do think it's cowardly, some of the nasty, 
threats I've gotten. You better watch out, you know, because I criticize vaccines. And I've studied vaccines. I kind of know what they do. The primary reasons vaccines are so profitable is because when they brought them out, you cannot be sued. The drug big pharma cannot be sued for any failure of the vaccine. So the vaccine kills 10 million people. You know, the drug company, ABC, big pharma, i.e. Merck and those guys, they can't be sued. Yeah. And then what they do is they produce the vaccine and then they get somebody like Trump or Obama to push it. That's what I know. And I was told, don't do that anymore because we'll kill you. Yeah. And my friend who was a doctor says they will. So that's what concerns me. You know, I'm going, I'm, I'm in for the freedom of speech. And I, and I agree that people can disagree. Everybody has their own opinion. But to threaten somebody with death and all that, that's a little too far. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, what I, that's what I want to say about that. Yeah, thank you, Robert. And I think that's very valuable and something people should really take to heart and evaluate themselves. Because um, like you said, I mean, we really just look in the mirror and, and see why is it upsetting you and what's going on in your life that's, that's driving you to that point. Yeah, what's your intent for, you know, like, you know, Greg Arthur protects you like his little sister, you know. He does. He says, <laughs> he says they, they say these horrible things to Alexandra you know, I'm, I'm like your daddy. I want to go out and kill him, those little bastards. You know I mean? Thank you, Robert. But, yeah. But, and honestly, that one. Cowards. Yeah, they, they are cowards. And I think over time, I've also learned to take that with a grain of salt and just use it as in if someone's not talking bad about you, then really you're no one in this world. Well, fantastic. It, it made you more anti fragile, right? You're getting stronger. Yeah. It, it really did make me anti fragile because I grew and I flourished from it. Yes, and that's it. So they actually do you a favor, but they're still cowards, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, Robert, the amount of people that say thank you for this program, on, they can take over all the negative comments because that's what makes me truly happy. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Robert, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, so if you're sitting at home right now, you know, the, yeah. I, I tweeted a whole bunch of people I, I follow and I track. I think the guy that's probably number one in my book right now is a guy named Brett Johnson. And he is from Santiago Capital or something. Mm -hmm. But he is, if, if you like the financial markets, he explains why the dollar is strong, but when it's going to crash also. So I, I love guys like that. And then there's guys who say, Brett Johnson's full of it. You know, so I listen to both sides. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. And you learn from the, the distance between the two. Yeah. Another guy is George Gammon. Man, that guy makes the complex so simple, but even simple. I have a hard time following because the game of money is so complex. And that's what happened in 1971. They took the dollar off the gold standard. People started playing games, and now the game is out of control. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, Brett Johnson says it this way. Think about it. There's only $4.5 trillion in base money, M1, that's, and there's trillions of dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. So the US dollar is gonna stay strong. Unfortunately, it's gonna bankrupt, like the Aussie dollar just fell to 55 cents. Their superannuation or their 401k is toasted. So going back to 1971, this financial crisis is now showing up. And it's your generation that will inherit <laughs> the pile of 
duck doo-doo, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're already seeing it. We're already seeing it. We're already experiencing some of that, you know, the crisis and all of the crap that's being thrown at us. And so, Robert, I have another question. If for the person who's facing unemployment during these turbulent times and are just confused, what would you say the benefits are from moving to the E side of the quadrant to the S? You're talking to the wrong guy on that one because my my entire goal in life was, and I flunked out of high school twice because I can't write. Yeah. And the teacher says, well, you'll never get a job if you don't get a college degree. I said, good, I don't want a job. So my attitude problem started in school. And I said, well, if I don't need a job, then nobody can fire me. So that's where it starts. Do you know what I mean? If you never need a job, but then if you take it to one more notch above that thought level, what if you never need money? Yeah. And that was my goal. So when I was like 18 years old, I was really effed up. You know, <laughs> the teacher says, you won't get a good job. I said, oh, that's good. I'm on the right track. And then says, well, you'll never make any money. I said, that's good. You see, the greatest asset you have is this. So your left ear and your right ear, you know, can you make money out of nothing? And with this little puppy here, this It starts with an attitude, like some of the comments I get on my Twitter that say, well, you know, I tried to make money and I lost, so I'm never going to do that again. Well, that's a loser. You know, how many times have I failed? You guys have seen me, you know, like you guys have been around me for years. I get screwed and blued and tattooed just like everybody else. But each crash makes me stronger, anti-fragile. Yeah. And that's where it starts. And everybody has that in them. Even if they didn't go to a great school, we all have a spirit, we all have a soul, we all have dreams, we all have desires. But it takes time. It's, it's like Tiger Woods didn't become the greatest golfer on earth taking one golf lesson. You know what I mean? He lost. He got, he got his, he's, he's gone down, he's gone up. He's the greatest athlete I know. But you know, he took his back out, his wife divorced him, and his wife took an eight iron to his SUV. <laughs> He's publicly humiliated. He can't play golf, but he still comes back and wins the Masters again. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. We all have that in us, except if we have a bad attitude in our mind. So some of those comments I've seen on my Twitter site is, well, you know, I'm not interested in money. <laughs> well, you're hosed. That little, that, those few words, I'm not interested in money, or I don't want to be rich, screws you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and Robert, one thing that you've always told us is to have our mission in mind, right? And yeah. I think that's when you really have control over your life, because if you're selling yourself to your salary or to your paycheck, um, then, then you've already sold yourself. But if you always have your mission in mind, like you've mentioned to us so many times, and I see you live, breathe and eat this mission, that's when you, you end up like you're like yourself, not needing money. Well, it's, it's not only that, if, if they took rich dad away and all my money away, I wouldn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. I still be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, if they lose their job, they change jobs, but this is my job. You yeah. know, this is my mission. And that's, that's why I went to military school versus university. And I went to a Marine Corps versus the Peace Corps. You know what I mean? That's just a different being. So everybody has that spirit inside of them. It's a lot of times, especially when times are good, 
you don't have to call on your spirit. You just cruise. You get a job, you can make some money. But right now when you're sitting at home is a good time to reevaluate life. So if I could show you this, this is book number two in the Rich Dad series. You know, it's E stands for employee, S, B, and I. E is employee. That little voice in your head is saying, I'm looking for a good, nice, safe, secure job with benefits. If you don't change those thoughts, you stay here. Nothing, nothing wrong with it, except in the future. Because as you know, technology or AI and all this stuff is going to make these guys less and less important. Or you can be an S and you can say, well, if you don't want it done right, do it by yourself. So the definition of an S is they're like a doctor. They can perform their job on their own. Or an accountant can do their job on their own. Or a tech, a tech person can do their job or an auto mechanic can do it. There's nothing wrong with it. But it limits them to this. And these guys pay the highest of all taxes. So most people, when they, they, they say, I want to start a business, they say, I want to start a business, they go here. So, oh, I started a business. The trouble with this side is they're working for money. Mm -hmm. And money is taxed. So as long as I don't have a job, I'm not taxed. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny, personally. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and B is big business. That's Bezos and Gates and um, Zuckerberg. And I is insider. This, these guys are outside investors, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETF. I just wanted to be an insider. So if you're sitting at home right now, be thinking, what do I have to do to make these changes? Like I've said all the time, you can be here and you can be here. You can be in more than one place. So when I'm sitting around talking, I'm actually all four. You know, sometimes I'm working for my own company, I'm an employee of my own company. Right now I'm working on a project, so I'm self-employed. I'm doing it by myself. As an investor, I'm always investing in big businesses. I don't invest in small, small businesses. I made too many mistakes. There's two kinds of entrepreneurs, small and smart. So I invest in smart entrepreneurs, not small entrepreneurs. A small entrepreneur doesn't have a bookkeeper. That's the first thing that they have QuickBooks or Quicken or whatever they have, or they have legal Zoom. I'm out. You know, I just, they want to do it on their own. On this side, I can't do it on my own. And in the world today, this is, these guys are Shark Tank guys, you know, uh, Mark Cuban and all that. So their mindset is different, but they also have the experience to be here. They're competent. You know, I can say, well, I want to be here, but I wasn't competent for years. Now I'm pretty competent because I have a team. It took years to get here. Yeah. You know, my, my best friend and I started, I was born on April 8th, he was born on April 9th. And we had no money. And he just sold his business for $1.8 billion. You know, I'm going, so we had a contest because I beat him to a million, but he beat me to a billion. So I can hear some people, well, what's so important about money? Nothing. It's my friend is important. My friend and I kick butt together. We really love each other. We've been, been friends for almost 50 years now. And we push each other along. We've gone up and we've gone down. We've had wins. We've had losses. 
You know, we've had horrible experiences happen to us. But I beat him to a million, and he beat me to a billion. But that's why he's my friend. So, And I can hear the chatter. Well, I, you're just so evil because, you know, interested in money and all that. So, well, screw you. You know, who's your friend? Some loser? You know what I mean? Who are you hanging out with? Yeah. That's, where, that's really all it is, is this game. I'll tell you a quick story is that he and I started the nylon and Velcro surfer wall to, together. And I lost $850,000. I, I thought it was the biggest loss of my life. And I was like 27 years old. And I felt so bad, you know, all my investors had lost money and all this because Stanley, my accountant, ran off with the money. So I've been screwed by accountants all the time. You think they're honest people? No, they're crooks. Got to find a good one. But anyway, I was bleeding. I was hemorrhaging spiritually. My spirit was bleeding out of me. You know, my body was there, my blood was there, my brain was there, but my spirit was draining out. So when I was in, so I went to Chicago trying to make more money because I was already, my Stanley ran off with the money. So I'm lying in bed at the Howard Johnson's on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, bleeding, spirit draining. And my friend Larry was on, in, um, on Broadway because his brother was John Lennon in Beatlemania, a very talented family. Yeah. So I called Larry and, I, and I, I couldn't even speak. I was just so, my spirit was gone. I said, Larry. He said, what? what? He says, I couldn't even raise my voice. This is, he thought it was a pervert breathing in the phone or something, you know. He goes, what the hell's wrong with you? I said, Larry, I can't go any further. I can't raise any more money. I've failed. I've lost everything. So he said, where are you? And so I gave him the address in Chicago because he was on Broadway in New York. He says, you stay right there. I'll be right over. So maybe about three or four hours later, he, he hear a knock on my door at the Howard Johnson's. He opens the door and he goes, so tell me what's wrong with you. So Larry, I really fucked up. $850,000. I can't pay it back. I've lost everything. I've lost my, f I'm the biggest shame, a disgrace. I'm all this. He says, oh, you poor thing. So I'm, I'm the line there. He says, well, let me help you. He turns around and he kicked me with all his might. Just kicked me. It hurt. He kicked me out of bed. He says, now get the F up and get back to work, you stupid son of a you lazing. I said, but I don't care. He says, you lost the money, you can make it back. And he's the guy that sold his business for 1.8 billion. Wow. That's a friend. I don't know who your friends are, but if they don't kick you in the butt, then they're not a friend. They're probably holding you back. Yeah. This is one of the most important lessons I can pass on. And so we just kept going. So all you losers out there going, oh, I tried to make money, but I lost and all that. You're a loser. You know, do it again. So it turned out to be being anti-fragile, which comes from Nazim Taleb, you know, anti-fragile. There's fragile, which is snowflakes and what our colleges are putting out today, snowflakes. Yeah. And, you know, you tap them and they're like a champagne flute. They shatter and never come back. You know, they, they can't have trigger events. Then you have robust, which is like a rock. And a lot of people are rocks today. You pound on them, nothing changes. But an anti-fragile person, when something bad happens, they come back stronger. So losing 
$50,000 was the best thing that ever happened to me because I couldn't get a job and pay it back. You know, back then I think 30,000 was high salary. To pay back $850,000, I had to use my brain again and figure out how am I gonna make enough money to pay that money back. So the, the loss was the blessing. And what happened after that, I went into rock and roll, I worked for Duran Duran, Police, Van Halen, Boy George, doing a similar thing, but using the losses and the experience I gained from the wallet business, and I, I rolled it into the next venture. And that's how I paid off my money. Robert, and something I love about that story is I think it can relate very closely to the crisis we're experiencing right now, because this can be that friend that kicks you in the butt. This crisis can be kicking you in the butt. And to, to all the 17 million people who have lost their job, that's a kick, that's a kick to your life. And right. so I think, but with, like, as we've seen, you know, you were talking on the quadrant, the East side is also risky because one day, one day a virus can come and completely wipe out that, wipe out that job for you. Right. And, um, and I really think so, that that story motivates me because it makes me realize this crisis should be a wake-up call for all of us, for all of us. I really hope you guys enjoyed this virtual millennial money and start using this as motivation. You know, work towards your goals, start reading books, implement those business ideas, and start scheduling meetings with yourself to truly evaluate what position you're in. Is the crisis going to destroy you or is it going to make you grow? And whether you're already an entrepreneur or you're just starting out, use this time. Think of this as like as this quarantine as a boot camp, right? To better your entrepreneurship journey. And I really hope you use this to improve yourself and you see a difference before the quarantine and after the quarantine with who you are today. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoy this virtual millennial money. And I hope to see you in the next one. Stay safe and practice your social distancing. Bye, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.